Come on, where are all my coffee drinkers at? The Lord bless you, man. It's gotta love some good coffee. Well, it is an honor to be here. We had a great first service. Um, rumor has it that the 1030 service just amens way louder, but I don't know. You're going to have to prove it, you know? Uh, but it's an honor to be here, and I love Pastor Doug and Lois. Um, my husband Riley and I got to have dinner with Pastor Doug last night, and uh, just believing. I was. He told me earlier that he was watching the live stream and so um, I asked if there was any feedback, any tips, and the only thing was I'm supposed to say more good things about Pastor Doug. So he is amazing, incredible, the best pastor ever. Come on, give it up for your pastor. Uh, so Pastor Doug and Lois, they've been, um, they've been friends with my parents for many, many years. Pastor Doug and my dad went to Bible college together, so... Um, it's been just a, such a blessing to grow up and especially in the last few years to really get to know Pastor Doug and Lois. So love them and man, excited to be with you guys this morning. Uh, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 17? We are going we to get our Bible reading in today. Uh, we, we got a whole chunk to, to look at and it's amazing. You guys ready for this? Ready to dive in? 1 Kings 17 says, uh, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord uh, came, to, sorry, and the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, and you shall drink from the brook. And I have com commanded the ravens to feed you there. Come on, how many guys love just like who needs Uber Eats when you got ravens bringing you breakfast? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. But here's where the plot thickens, it twists. Verse 7 says, and after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. When the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called her and said, hey, since you're already going to the kitchen, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And he said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. And the jar of flour was spent uh, was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Yeah, amen. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's powerful, it's living, it changes our life, and Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come to speak to us this morning. God, may we not just hear your word, but may we live your word. May we do your word. God, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray you'd reveal yourself to them today. Holy Spirit, would you just 
flow through me. Give me your grace and strength and strengthen your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I think it's, it's important that we get to know each other a little bit, you know, um, this morning. And I think that we can kind of categorize the world into two groups of people. You guys ready for this? I'm going to need some, some group participation. Uh, the first group, what I'm about to say, it just brings utter joy and excitement into your life. And uh, y- you love the word schedule. Come on, who right now, you just, come on, the word, yes, yes, I just, you just came to church, you knew like God was going to do something, and you are scheduled people, like the more scheduled, the better it's going to be. Then there's all of you right now, or not all of you, some of you right now, that, um, that the word schedule, actually, your heart rate just went up about 10 beats per minute, you know, you're like, Oh, no. You know, you're like, give me the breathing machine real quick. Like, schedule what? Uh, right? How many of you in this room, like, the thought of uh, not having a schedule on vacation, it just about does you in. Does you in. You know what I mean? Like, schedule. I, I have to confess, I am um, one of the blessed people that love schedules. You know? Where are my blessed people at today? Thank you. Yeah. There's just freedom happening right now as people know. <laughs> I, I'm, I like the schedule. Like, my husband knows the closer we get to, like, almost being late, I start getting, like, more tense. I'm like, like, our son does not need to eat food. He's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he start, he's 14 months. Feed the child. You know, I'm like, nope, he's good. We're going to be late. Uh, schedule. I, but here's the thing. Whether you like a schedule, don't like a schedule, you know, you're, you all, wherever you fall in that spectrum, I think we can all unite on one thing this morning. I think that we can unite on this, that uh, there comes a point when you've made up your mind and you're ready to commit to something and you've got your plan in action. How many of you know that interruptions are ridiculously terrible? Like none of us wake up in the morning and we're like, you know what I hope? I hope that I go and I'm on my way to work. And first I hope that I get a flat tire. And then while I'm interrupted, I hope that my boss calls me and chews me out while that happens. And then I hope that while I'm fixing my tire, I'm interrupted by my coffee spilling all over me. Like, who woke up this morning and was like, that's, that's, that's my day. I think most of us, like, unexpected, especially bad interruptions, uh, they, they're not what we plan into our day. They're not what brings us joy. I remember that I'm a pastor's kid, so before I was even born, my parents, they planted Joy Church Medford in Medford, Oregon. And so there's something that goes with being a pastor's kid, especially if you're a pastor's kid in the early days of church planting. You are um, the child of the pastor, a.k.a. you do everything at the church. So, uh, you know, like we didn't have like, like church clean, it was by last name. So my maiden name was Schmelzer. Like it was like, who's cleaning the church? The Schmelzer family. You know, it's like, you're two years old, you grab the vacuum, and it's still, it's pretty much the same way, you know what I mean, but you, like, everything, I, I was, I was up on the stage at, like, seven years old, no joke, doing the overhead, like, I was, like, putting, and I would get so mad at the ladies that would get distracted, because they were so into worship, I'm like, we don't have the words, people, <laughs> like, seven-year-old Natalie was like, somebody help that woman, she's just worshiping too fervently, and you guys are like, get this lady out of here. She's crazy. 
And I remember, you know, you do everything. I remember at one point we had a song that required a train whistle, and I got to blow the train whistle because you could do the overhead and blow the train whistle. I was the train whistle blower. We should have put that in the info about my life. And so here's the thing, though. As a pastor's kid, you'd show up early, and you'd be the last ones to leave, and you'd go through the day, and it was awesome, and it was joyful. But here was, like, the light at the end of the tunnel. You'd have a great service, and it would be great. But my parents would always take us out to lunch on Sundays. So we knew no matter, like, how much we did on a Sunday, no matter what it entailed, when we walked out those doors, we were going to go to, like, Golden Spike Pizza or we were going to go get some gross Chinese food, whatever. Like, I like Chinese food. We just, we always bought the bad Chinese food. And I remember it'd be so, we're like, that's the light at the end of the tunnel, me and my three brothers. And then the moment happened. 1230 would roll along, and we'd all be like, bye, sister, blessed, you know, bye. And then, and then you would see that moment, that person would walk up to my dad. And you're like, no. Take her to take her out. Like, no. Dad, no. Stop loving people. Come on. I remember it was the moment of dread where like somebody interrupts this interruption. Like she's taking us down. And we'd have to wait again and learn the art of patience. It did us really well. It did us so good. I remember just the dread of, no, being interrupted. We've, we've waited so long, and now we're interrupted. And I thought that was bad as a kid. And then 14 months ago, we have this precious gift of our son, Wesley, here. No one told me that parenting was a lifetime of interruptions. <laughs> there was no instructions. Like, my husband and I, were millennials. Everything you know, you should be able to Google, and you're like, nobody told me there was a life of interruptions. It's awesome. It's amazing. You know, what's interesting is when you look at the Bible is that most of the miraculous moments in the ministry of Jesus were the product of an interruption. Most of the times we read it, we're like, Jesus, he's the God of miracles. He does incredible things. He cares for the lost and the hurting. Most of his... These moments we read about, they were actually not planned. Like God knew they were coming, but they were an interruption. When you think about the very first miracle that Jesus ever did, he was at a wedding. And his wife's, or not his wife, his, bad theology, his, his mother tells the attendants at the wedding, whatever he says to do, you go do that. You'll interrupt him. And, he, and in the middle of an interruption, he miraculously turns the water into wine. I think about this moment where a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children are, are hearing Jesus preach. And he's interrupted by the disciples saying, hey, you probably should wrap this up. People are hungry. And in the interruption, Jesus miraculously provides the food for the 5,000. I think about... Jesus taking a nap, and nobody wants to be interrupted by a nap, right, in the middle of the night. And as he's on the, the water and he's sleeping, his disciples, having been interrupted by a storm, wake him up. And in the middle of this interruption, Jesus miraculously speaks to the wind and the waves and silences the storm. I think if we could learn something this morning is God is the God of interruption, and he's the God who, he's okay to be inconvenienced. 
He's okay that in those moments when it seems like could anything come out of an interruption, that is often times where God's right up in the middle doing what he does best, changing lives, doing the miraculous. And I think for you and I, we have to begin to interpret interruptions in our life. Is that sometimes we can look at situations even right now coming in and maybe a job shift happened and maybe there's some stuff going on in your life and your marriage and your family and it looks like, God, could anything good come out of this? My life feels interrupted. It feels out of, a dis- it's in disarray. It's, it's in chaos. And, and we, in those moments, we can feel like, God, are you doing anything? And I think God wants us to begin to interpret what he's doing, to begin, begin to get a perspective beyond ourselves to say, God, is often in the middle of the interruptions. But the first thing we have to do is we have to interrupt interruptions. Has anyone found that life can be a little bit distracting? There's a lot of things vying for your attention, for your focus, for your time, energy. Perhaps you've had this happen to you. There's something called a phantom vibration sensation. That tongue-tops fast. And phantom vibration sensation is actually something that they've found now. It's, it's this moment where your phone vibrates, so you pull it out to check the notification, only to realize you had only imagined that your phone vibrated. It didn't actually vibrate, but now that since we're already here, let's just check the mail. Anyone, let's just tell the truth right now in church, had this horrible, you're like, it just happened. Some studies say that now we're at the point where every four and a half minutes of the day, we're grabbing our phones to check things, to look at things. And who knows how long every four and a half minutes then we're stuck there. You're like, I just, I just to be good, I just stay all the way through that four and a half minutes so that I'm already, I'm already there. Why check it again? We're distracted. Life has so much. Some of you, you have, you, you have children and, and you're juggling jobs and life and small groups and you can be going through life and it's easy even doing good things that you just can get consumed with distraction, consumed with things pulling and interrupting your life that we're so interrupted we miss the God interruptions. And I think about we first have to follow the example of Jesus. It says that in early in the morning before it was light out, Jesus would get away from the crowd, from the noise, from even his own disciples. And he would get away to a solitary place and he would meet with the Father. And the noise of life would be silenced so he could hear the voice of heaven giving him directives for that which he was called to do. And I think that we'll never be able to fully embrace that which God wants to do through us each day if we are unwilling to pause and hear his voice speaking through the noise. To pause the noise of distraction. There was a movie that came out a few years ago, um, a Superman movie called Man of Steel. And um, I love this scene in the movie when Clark Kent, he's probably seven, eight years old, and he's, he's at his elementary school. And in this scene, you see him in class, and it's like he's starting to become aware of his superpowers. And so he has hyper, uh, like, uh, hyper sensitivity to hearing. He can hear everything. And his eyes, he's like, x-ray vision's going crazy. And, and so he just hears just chaos and noise everywhere, and it's, it's just maddening, the noise. 
And so you see this young Clark Kent like losing his mind almost, and he gets up in the class and he just runs and he hides in the janitorial closet and he locks himself in there. And the next scene, you see his mom come to this door and she gets really close and you see Clark Kent, he's holding his head and he's just like, oh, mom, make, make it stop. It's, it's so loud. Like, and he's just freaking out and his mom gets really quiet. She says, Clark, make the world smaller. Make it smaller. And she starts to help him to focus in. I think this morning that some of us would come to church and if somebody could see the inside of our heart and soul, they would see chaos. And they would see, it's too loud, it's too much. It's not the music, the worship was great, it wasn't too loud. <laughs> Life's too loud, too much. And all of a sudden, I think God would come and say, make it quiet. Make the world smaller. And come away and listen to me. Come away and find my heart for you. Hear my heart for you. We gotta, we gotta interrupt interruptions and say, no, I'm gonna get the mind of Christ. I'm gonna get the heart of God and what He has for me. And so now we find ourselves, you know, we just read this portion of scripture and we looked at this account of Elijah the prophet and a widow. And we find Elijah, um, he's just been used by God miraculously. And then God says, hey, I'm gonna send you. I want you to, to run and I want you to go to this brook. I want you to go to a specific place. And I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to bring ravens, and I'm going to provide bread for you, and, 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 and I'm going to provide a brook that even in the land where there's no rain and no water, I'm going to provide a brook with water so you can drink. And so Elijah's seeing the provision of God. Elijah's seeing the, 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 the blessing of God in his life. But then he has what a very confusing moment that I think some of us can relate to here this morning. Because verse 7, like God's blessing Elijah, he's providing for him, he's led him, he's heard God's voice, he obeyed it, and there God showed up. But then verse 7 says, but after a while then, after a while the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Some of you came to this place and you were in that moment where you say, God, you gave me a word. God, you, you, you brought me to a situation, you brought me to a place, and I've seen your provision, and I've seen your faithfulness, but there's no more water. The brook's dried up. You forgot about me. I think you moved on to somebody else, and I'm here to die. I'm, it's over. And, and Elijah's at this place that once was the, the ground of the miraculous, now looks like the place where he's to die. It's the dried brook. But God, when the brook dried up, he spoke to Elijah and he said, hey, there's a widow and I got to get you from this brook to a new place because I'm going to get you to a place where not only I provide for you, but where you are going to be a conduit of my blessing to provide for somebody else. And I got to get you. Here's what, here's what we got to understand this morning is the dried brook place is not a place where God's forsaken you. It's the place where God's redirecting you. And if you find yourself in a situation where you say, God, it looks like the brook you led me to is dried up. There's no more provision. There's nothing there. It should not lead us into despair. It should lead us into leaning closer to the heart of God, the voice of God, and saying, God, what are you asking me to do? Because you don't forsake me. You direct me. 
And some of you just need to be encouraged this morning, reminded this morning, God has not forsaken you. And he may be redirecting your focus. He may be redirecting your energy. He may be redirecting you to go into a place of prayer in a fresh way. He may be redirecting you to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. But I can promise you this, God is not forsaking you. And Elijah finds himself in this moment. He's like, God, you led me here. And you provided for me here. And there's no more water. What are you doing? And God gives him some directives. And he begins to tell him, I want you to go to a place where there's a widow. But she has nothing. And so Elijah, we'll meet up with him in a second. We find him obeying God. But I want us for a moment to look at this woman in Zarephath, the the widow. I don't know about you, but I've never had to prepare my last meal. Right? Now, I see there's a lot of teenagers in in the room. You're like, it feels like every night when you have to go to bed, you've had your last meal. You're like, no, you know. You don't know why your parents don't want you to have, like, Cheerios all over your bedroom. Sorry, teenagers don't eat Cheerios. My 14-month-old eats Cheerios. <laughs> Captain Crunch all over your room. <laughs> right? I, I, I've never had to prepare my last meal, but I can tell you, having my 14-month-old son, I could never imagine being at a place where I say, man, my husband's gone. And I had to send Wesley out to go gather the last sticks. And I have to, with a smile on my face, say, eat, knowing this will be the end, and to watch my son die. I don't know if you could get more despair than this woman was at. How many of her friends had already died? How many people had already lost everything, and here she is just gathering her sticks, and this guy shows up on the scene, and he starts asking her to give him, give her the last meal. And I think the one thing we have to understand about this woman is that she was there and she thought everything was over. She thought the story was over. She thought there was no happy ending coming. But we serve the God who loves to interrupt our brokenness. We serve the God who comes into situations that the world says are hopeless. He comes into marriages that look like they are on the brink of death. He comes into situations when it seems like the clock has already hit the end and there's no hope and that is where God shows up and he interrupts our brokenness that is who he is and I imagine it was like woman you thought you were here to die but I'm so sorry God came with a different plan some of you today came with an agenda you came thinking this thing or that thing was over you thought that depression had the best of you but I'm here to tell you God's coming to say I'm sorry but I'm interrupting your brokenness I'm interrupting that place that you thought could never live again. Think about the love of God that would grab a prophet that where he was was 80 to 90 miles away. And he says, I got to dry this brook up because I got to get you. And there was no car to drive him, no train to take. 
you're going to use your legs and you're going to go 80 to 90 miles because there is somebody that I want to divinely interrupt their brokenness and write a new story. That is the God we serve. And God is raising up a people in this house and he's raising up a people, a people that would be an army of divine interrupters. An army of people who say, God, I have seen your provision. God, I've seen you meet my needs at the brook. You've given me water. You've given me food. You've given me freedom. You've set me free from addictions. But now God is calling us and he's redirecting some of you to say, now it's time to not just have the water for yourself and have the ravens feed you, but I'm calling you to now run and begin to be the source who interrupts other people's brokenness and brings life and freedom to them. That's what God took a light. Come on. That's what God's calling us to. That's that's part of growing in our faith. You know, I love I love being around new believers. It's amazing. I talked to a, a young lady in the first service that she got baptized a few weeks ago. Like amazing. And if you, one thing, if you want your faith stirred, go hang out with new believers. Because they're like, I prayed, and they're and like they have like 14 answered prayers, and you're like, you've only been saved for like two hours. They're like, God just poured out everything, and you know, and 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 like, they they, they like they legit believe the whole Bible, and and they're like, God said He'll do it, and and I think we have to be careful that we don't become crusty and like and suddenly be like, well, you know, that's just you'll figure things out. No, that's how we need to live with that kind of faith. But there is a place of maturity that God will bring us to say, I don't want to just answer your prayers. I want you to be an answered prayer. I don't want to just cause you to, 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 to just see my provision, but I want you to begin to trust me that even when you don't see what I'm doing, I'm going to use you to interrupt some unlikely situations and bring my hope where it never you never thought. That's part of growing in our faith. It's saying, God, you fed me at the brook, but now you're leading me to bring provision to somebody else. I will tell you, as we get nearing the end, two quick stories, simple stories. Um, One is a girl, Victoria. She's now in sophomore year of high school. She was a freshman at the time. Got powerfully saved. Um, Was just addicted to drugs, relationships. I mean, messed up, beyond messed up, beyond messed up, and completely depressed. And um, she got powerfully saved. She was actually, saw this kid that she called the Jesus kid on her school, and and uh, she finally came to a point after he had been trying to get her to go to church for a long time in the summer before her freshman year. Um, she's like, if that Jesus kid invites me, I'll, I'll when she saw the Jesus kid, I'm sorry, he invited her in the summer. She said, if he invites me again, I'll go to church. So freshman year, she shows up to school, and the Jesus kid's there. And so, so Jesus kid invites her to, to church, and so she thought, well, I'll just go because I said if, I, if he invites me. So she shows up. God just transforms her life. One of the first series of messages she heard in youth was about the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And, that. and so she began to grab hold of, like, you can pray. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and he'll move in power if you obey. And so she just, like, heard that as a new believer, was like, that's what God does. But she wakes up one morning, freshman year, brand new saved, and she hears the word Melissa, the name Melissa. Melissa. 
goes to her first class. She's like, um, excuse me, is there a Melissa in here? No Melissa. They're like, no, nobody in the Melissa. But one of the girl pipes, one of the girls uh, pipes up and says, well, I do have a Melissa like in this class at the end of the day. And Victoria goes, like, I'm in that class too. So she goes to that class. Like, is there a Melissa? Melissa. Melissa. She begins to say, like, God, I'm a Christian. This morning, God said, Melissa. And, and she just starts, like, sharing the gospel with this girl. Well, this girl knew, like, no Krishna. She didn't know who God was, but somehow had a cross necklace. And she's like, this morning, I felt like I was supposed to wear my cross necklace. I wore it. This girl comes to youth and gives her life to Jesus. Because a girl, Victoria, was interrupted. Just about two and a half months ago or so, there was a girl named Bree. And um, Bree, at one point, was actually in Bible college and through a series of things kind of got hurt in the church and had gone through a lot of things. And so for quite some time had not been in church and I'm not really sure even where her walk with the Lord was at. And, and so... My brother is studying um, Hebrew right now, and he was at school, or he was at Starbucks, and he had this huge Hebrew textbook. He's sitting in Starbucks, and he sees this girl, and he feels the Holy Spirit nudging his heart. You got to talk to her, but he's like, "This is so weird. Like, how do I just randomly go up and be like, hi? Uh, just want to say hi. You know, like, what do I say? So he's he's just kind of fighting, like, what do I do? Well, as he's getting ready to leave, the girl Bree walks up and she says, "Do you speak Hebrew?" And uh, to know that at one time in her life she had studied Hebrew. So he's getting ready to leave. So he gives her the world's worst in invite to church. He's like, like, you wouldn't want to go to our church if you got invited the way my brother invited her. He's like, oh, yeah, if you want to like, go to church, we got a church right down there. He's like, joy church. And, like, he doesn't tell her the dress. He just kind of says, like, there's a church. Gives her the church name. Well, God was working in her life and using this divine interruption. And so she ends up going online, finding the church, walks into church the very next day, gets connected to one of our young adult leaders, and immediately just begins to find community. I told her the other day, I said, man, we need to have you be like the picture of our small groups because she has just jumped into small group after small group to find community. She just launched, she's the, uh, uh, an assistant in a jogging group. This Friday, there's a selfie of the group. She's brought an unsaved friend to her jogging group. It's just beginning to be used by God. And all because somebody was divinely interrupted. See, what can God do through you? God wants to use us. He wants to take us from the brook of his provision to a place where we not only get his provision, but we share it with others. Where we come in and we speak hope into hopeless situations. They're all around us. They're our neighbors, our coworkers, our relatives, our family members. God's called each one of us to, to follow his example like Jesus and to say, God, I'm not going to be too busy. I'm not going to live too distracted that I don't recognize the interruption that you're sending my way in this moment. As we get ready to land this close, I think some of us today, you know, we're here and we say, God, I want to be used by you. God, you can, you can use my life to interrupt others. God, you can use my life to, to reach out to the world around me. But if we're honest, sometimes we can come to church, and especially if you've been following Jesus for a little bit of time now, 
you could sometimes wonder, does, does God still have time for me? Like sometimes we can still look at our life and we say, God, I know you want to interrupt like people's brokenness, but what about those still those places that I feel broken on the inside? And I think what's so amazing to know is that God has time for every person here. He's still in the business of coming in and saying, yeah, you've walked with me for a lot of years. Yeah, you know my word, but you haven't seen anything yet. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. You haven't seen anything. Some of you this morning need to be encouraged to say, to understand that God has time for you. He's not forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten that child you're praying for to come home to him. He hasn't forgotten that cry to see your marriage restored. He hasn't forgotten that cry in your heart that says, God, I don't want to drag addiction around anymore. God is still in the business of interaction our lives, no matter how deep into our faith we are. I love in John chapter 4, we find one of, the, one of my favorite interruptions. We find Jesus sitting at a well and a lady that was so broken. Everybody knew her story. Everybody knew she was a mess. But Jesus showed us his heart. Because he's sitting at this well, and he, he, he sounds very similar to the prophet Elijah. When Elijah came to the widow, and he says, hey, would you give me something to drink? And Jesus, sitting at a well, he says to this lady, would you give me something to drink? Sure. And little did she know that Jesus would tell her, if only you knew who I was. Like, I have the well that will not run dry. I have everything you need. I have more than enough for you. And he would take the time to see this woman, to heal this woman, to restore her, and to send her out on mission to become part of the army of interrupters. I think some of us this morning, we need to, we need to grab a seat by Jesus. We need to sit in his presence and just say, God, your living water. You can interrupt my life. You can interrupt my brokenness. Those places, I just feel even some of you this morning, there are some places you wrote off and you said, God can't touch that. God can't fix that. It's too big. It's been too long. And I just think God wants to put faith in your heart this morning to say, who told you that? Who told you that he doesn't care? Who told you that he doesn't care about that anxiety? And he's asking you to give it to him. Who told you? He doesn't care about your wayward child. He is still the God who has time to sit with his sons and daughters and heal the most broken places of our heart. He has time for you. And even in the midst of us running and being his hands and feet, he bids us to come to that secret place, to rest in his presence, to hear his voice, and to find healing for our lives and our souls. He has time for you. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. As the prayer team gets ready to, to come forward. You know, all, all throughout this room, there are people that you may say, man, I, I came to church and I was just wondering, like, could God save me? You look at your life and you feel very 
broken and lost. And I want to tell you that Jesus, he came to save you, to set you free, to give you a brand new life. And the Bible says that if you would believe in our heart that he is Lord and confess with our mouth that we would be saved. We simply put our trust in him that he alone can save us and make us new. And if you came to this place and you say, I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to give me a brand new life and I want to surrender to him. If that's your prayer this morning, would you raise your hand wherever you are? Awesome, I see that hand. Come on, wherever you are, say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Every person who you say, man, I, I can't live this life on my own. Would you just raise your hand? Any person here that says, I need Jesus. I want to give one last call. Every person here says, man, come on, would you save me? Awesome, I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome, come on, Jesus. He comes into our brokenness death, our bondage, and gives us life. One last call, you're here and you say, Jesus, would you save me? I put my trust in you. If that's your prayer, just lift your hand. Church, can we all pray this simple prayer together? Just a, a declaration with our lips of what God's doing on the inside. Can we all pray this? Say, Dear Jesus, I put my faith in you, that you alone can save me. I receive your life. I receive your freedom. I believe that you are God and that you rose again from the dead and that in you I have life. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we just give the Lord a shout? just a few moments, um, you'll get some directions on just next steps of how to, if you prayed that prayer, man, I know that the church wants to, to walk that journey with you. For the rest of us, I just want to have two simple responses. The first is if you say, you know what, I feel like I'm at that dried brook moment where you felt like maybe God forgot you or forsook you, but you recognize it's actually God redirecting you and you feel like, God, I need I need your grace to understand this moment and to know where you're leading me, to know what you're asking me to do. Um, and so if you just have felt like you're in that dried brook moment and you need God's grace, his wisdom, would you just lift your hand wherever you are? You say, God, awesome. I need, to, I need your wisdom. I need to know what you're doing. Just lift your hand. We're going to pray. God, every person here. God, I thank you that you are not in the business of forsaking your people, God, but you are the God who is with your people, that you lead us, God. You're the good shepherd. And I pray that this morning you would just infuse faith in your sons and daughters to know that you have not forsaken them, God, but you're redirecting them. God, I pray you'd give clarity in this season, that you begin to show them those things. You're saying, lean into this, step into this by faith. God, maybe there's some things you're saying leave behind to let go of some things that are not of you to embrace that which is of you. God, I pray you would be with your sons and daughters this morning. And the last thing is if you just say, man, I want to be part of that army of divine interrupters. I want to let God use me in a fresh way, even this week. If that's your prayer, would you just boldly stand up? We're just going to stand and just say, God, help me to live a life that interrupts what the enemy has in store, and I want to be a divine interrupter, bringing the hope of Jesus to this community, to the people around us. God, I thank you today.
God, that we stand together, God. We stand say, Lord, help us to follow your lead, to interrupt what the enemy means for evil, that, God, we would come in and bring your hope and bring your life. God, I pray that you would give us your compassion to go into the places that the world has given up on, to go into situations that the world has said her hope is over, and, Lord, to begin to speak your life, to begin to speak your hope, to begin to speak restoration to the hurting and to the lost. God, help us to carry your heart to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Natalie. I would like to invite everybody to stand this morning. We're going to continue in worship right now. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is here? And I believe He still wants to minister to us. I would encourage you, if you raised your hand this morning, if you need prayer for anything, I invite you to come forward to our prayer team as we worship. If you've given your life to the Lord, there are some resources for you. I invite you to come forward as well. I encourage you, be bold this morning. God wants to meet you here. There are answers here for you. There are some things that our mind and our intellect can't answer that only prayer is the solution for. Amen. Let's worship this morning. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come. Knowing the battles won. For you have never failed me your promises stand your promises stand great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me Never fail. This is my confidence, 
You never fail, your promises stand. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me. failed me yet. Oh, oh, sing out a song to your King. Oh, you are worthy. I'm gonna rest in the shadow of your wings. Oh, sing, I sing you more. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Oh, we just love you this morning, Jesus. We believe, Lord, and we're going to see you do it again, Lord. Thank you for moving mildly in our hearts today. We bless you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Would you thank Natalie for her wonderful ministry to our house this morning? Woo! Amen. Thank you, Natalie. God's been good to us. God's blessed us today. Go in the joy of the Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.